every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege to be your sons and your daughters. We thank you for the privilege, God, to be your friends. We thank you that we get to be your bride. We thank you that we actually get to be saints, that we have the, the, the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to become holy and to be set apart. We thank you that you've given us the power to proclaim your message to a broken generation. We ask that you would supernaturally equip us and empower us to do it better to be uh, greater heralders of Jesus with our lips and with our lives. God, we ask, Lord, that um, in this year of training and in the years ahead, that we would uh, accelerate our pursuit of you, accelerate our love for the lost. God, we ask, Lord, that you would do a supernatural miracle in us, God, because we can't do those things just based upon our own dedication. We need you, God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. Uh, when, I, when, when I talk about being torn, I'm going to talk about torn tonight, so it's, it's the topic of my sermon. You can write that word, T-O-R-N, torn. And most of us, when we think of, of being torn, uh, because we live in a consumer society, we're not really torn in many ways, I mean, in terms of trying to make a decision. If we were to try to think what it would mean to be torn, you know, I'm torn between this and this. We might be torn between, should I be a religion major or an education major? Maybe you'd be torn uh, by should I go to this school or that school? Should I? You'd be torn. Should I spend my money on tour or should I eat that week? You might, you might be torn on should I marry this man or shall I date that man for five years? But then he's a better guy eventually. You never know. But you kind of go. You have those kinds of questions. Should I? Should I? Uh, you know what should? I, how should I spend my money? I'm torn between this. Should I do vanilla latte or caramel latte? Uh, what? What? What is it? You know, and it's very surfacey. I think compared to a tearing that I want to talk about tonight that was in Paul. And I, I, I want to talk about this one phrase that Paul says because I think within it we find a, a spiritual maturity that's absent in many of us because of a, a, a society, a consumer society, an easy Christianity that we live in. But I want to take a look at what Paul was doing, where Paul was when he said it. And I want to talk about this the verse. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, let's read it together. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. But will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I, I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So there's a very intriguing, I think, spiritually mature war that's going on internally inside of Paul right here. Now, historically, let's look at where he's at. He's not your age. He's not a 20-year-old going to college, trying to figure out if you're going to have five kids or one, or which college to go to. He's older. He's in a prison in Rome. He's given much of his life now in his adult years to expand the kingdom, 
to expand the message of Jesus to the Gentile world. And Paul is literally in a Roman prison. Nero is killing the Christians. And Paul is, I mean, he's suffered. I mean, you read 1 Corinthians. He talks about how he's been shipwrecked and how he's been hurt. He's suffering. He's in physical pain. And he's talking about an actual death here. And so he's in this prison and he looks at the, the work that he's been called to do. I mean, Jesus appeared to him back in Acts 9. You remember the story. Jesus appears to Saul. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Which I think is interesting. Because Saul's never met Jesus. But I think it's a little window into the love that Jesus has for his bride, for his church. Saul's persecuting the church and Jesus literally associates himself with the persecuted church and says, why do you hurt me? That's good news for you and me, that Jesus really is for us and that we really are one with him. And when he says Christ in us and us in him, I mean, that's good news for us. But he looks at Saul there and he says, why do you persecute me? And Saul turns his life around and begins to proclaim Jesus to the Gentile world. Now, you and I know that the disciples were missionaries and the disciples were witnesses and the disciples went out and expanded the kingdom. But Saul had a very unique encounter with Jesus. So Saul has this encounter and he begins to literally lose his life for the sake of the gospel. Jesus says to him, you're going to be my witness. The Greek word there could be witness, it could be martyr. And when you look at what a witness is, witness means someone who talks about what they've seen and what they've heard. So the 12 disciples had seen and heard Jesus. I mean, they'd been with him, hung out with him. They knew him. They saw him feed 5,000. They heard him tell Lazarus, come forth. They saw him ascend to heaven. They heard him tell the winds and the waves to be silent. They had experienced him firsthand. And so Saul now is literally a witness. He, I mean, he has this moment where he doesn't see Jesus necessarily with his physical eyes, but he hears him, and he's a witness. He's gone out, and he's diligently told people about Jesus. And, and now I want you to think, you've grown up and, and, and heard tell people about Jesus, and when I hear tell people about Jesus, I think of a necessary spiritual discipline to prove that I love God. I think of tell your friends on the playground about Jesus when I was a kid. I think about junior high. If I'm really doing this right, I should tell the kid next to me that he should stop cussing and go to church and, and, and that Jesus loves him. You know, you and I think high school, I, I, I started a prayer meeting and I loved God and I didn't date bad girls. You know, I mean, I told so-and-so about Jesus. We have this church way where we think about telling people about Jesus. We have kind of a, uh, uh, it's what I ought to do mentality. Does that make sense? It's like, I really should tell people about Jesus. I was talking to a lady recently and she said, I know I ought to, but I just don't because it's just really hard. And so I don't, I don't talk about Jesus. I mean, you can't really in this culture. I mean, really, have you been out there? And that's what she said. And the reason why we do that is because we've grown up as it, with it as an idea of a principle that we ought to do. But I, I, wanna re, I want you to think about the encounter for Paul here. Not, I, I ought to go tell people about Jesus because it's a discipline that I've heard about. But imagine the magnitude 
of what takes place in you when you are out to persecute the church and Jesus appears and audibly says, you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? There is a switch. There is a change. Not only is it big and epic, but it's personal. Whoa. You've got a commission on me. You want a life change in me. So Saul, then... Not as, hey, I've been telling people about Jesus because I ought to, as a, my goodness, I have a command from Christ himself, me, individually. He's commanded me to go. He's commanded me to be a witness. He's commanded me to give my life. And, and, and here's Saul. And he has this encounter with Jesus and then gives his life. And he's going from city to city, you know? He's not like you and me where we live in a, an apartment or a dorm room, or house, or your car, but a couple of you. But he literally lives traveling. It's not traveling, comfort traveling like today where you ride in a car and you got a, an iPod, so you got good music and you got a little heating and air and, you know, you stop every once in a while for some Twinkies and... You know, it's not that. When he travels in the ancient world, when you're traveling, it's one of the most dangerous things you can do because the robbers would hang out along the roads. You either walk or you ride a donkey or a horse. Few people, very few people had horses because they were so expensive. You know, so Saul, when you, go, when, you, when you go and you ride a ship in those days, those ships were not quite like Carnival and Royal Caribbean today. It was a different deal. And so he puts his life on the line. Over and over and over again. He's coming to the end. Nero's persecuting. And he's writing to this church in Philippi that he helped start. I mean, he, he, he's one of the guys. And he's writing to his friends. It's not like just we think of it as a book of a Bible. But this is a very real letter that he's writing to a real church that he's already been helping to equip them. And then he, verse 8 and 9, you know, he's saying, I long for you with the affections of Christ's. And this is my prayer for you. The reason why I have affections for you is I've done life with you and I pray for you. He longs for the church's success. He longs for people. He knows his commission via Jesus himself. Paul comes down toward the end. He's beginning, he's a, bit, a little bit reflective here. If I'm to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? <laughs> He's talking to himself. I don't know. I am torn. Think about the spiritual maturity of that. I'm torn. I want to be with Jesus. But I want to reach people. I want the maturity of the church and I want the evangelization of the Gentile world just like Jesus told me to do. I want to be with him. And on this side, there's this thing in Paul, this yearning and this desire that goes, I desire to be with you. I desire to be with the one that I love. I've spent a lot of hours in prayer. I've been, I've been, I've been preaching and declaring the good news of this man, Jesus, and the nature of heralding about who someone who is awesome. You start to really start to think he's awesome. You start to really fall in love with him. And I've been talking about him a lot. And I've been praying. I've been hanging out with Peter a lot. And Peter tells me stories. I know, I know he was 
awesome. I heard the story how he healed the sick. I heard the story of how he fed the hungry. I heard the story of how he even sat and drank and ate sinners and tax collectors and how he loved people and how he literally became a man, crushed sin and Satan forever and went to a cross. Oh, I've heard those stories and I love, I love him. I long to be with him. You know, in a lot of my epistles, I've been talking about what heaven's like and I know that it's a good thing to be with him and I know that it's going to be eternal bliss with Jesus forever and I, I want to be with you. But I've spent my life in prayer, on my face, for those that don't know him. And the nature of spending my voluntary hours where I have a legitimate reason to go out and, you know, hang out in the Jerusalem markets and do what I want and kill the evening, I've been praying. And I've got a legitimate right to do what I want to do, but I've been praying for the church in Ephesus and in Philippi been praying that Jesus would use me to expand his kingdom. And I've actually put feet to those prayers and I've begun to trot across the known world to declare the message. And I've preached. I've preached in synagogues and I've preached in marketplaces. I've preached to people who've heard, to religious people, and I've preached to people that had never heard. I've preached to Epicureans who have bizarre ideas and these guys and these philosophers and I've I've spent my life, though, declaring, I've suffered, that they might know him, that they might know the one, that they might spend an eternity with him. And here I am, coming towards the end here. And by all means, it, it feels good. I, I long, I, I desire to be with you, Christ. I know that eternity with you is awesome. I've encountered you, and I want to be with you. I look forward to your return. Oh, I look forward to being with you. Whichever comes first, that's what I want is to be with Jesus. But Jesus, you loved them and you left all. And you sacrificed much for them. And you called me to sacrifice like you sacrificed. And you called me to give all like you gave all. And I look at them and I go, I've been praying for them and I long for them. And holy moly torn I'm torn I mean to be with you is, is better by far no question you're awesome they're not you're perfect they're not you're holy they're not and that's why my life has mission purpose here but worship with you would be awesome forever but worshiping you now on this side of death is awesome a little bit harder. Got to tell people that I worship an un, invisible God. A little bit harder. I can't see like I'll see one day. And the spiritual maturity of a torn heart that goes, I want God. I want to be with him. And now I don't think that if we look at the context here, I don't think that it's quite the same as a 20-year-old today saying, I want to die and go to heaven and be with Jesus tomorrow versus I want to stay here. 
I'm not talking about that. that. I think it's quite a bit different when you start talking about a guy who has literally already said, I've, you know, I've run the race, I've fought the good fight. I think that when we're talking about your life, my life, there is a mission that Jesus has called you to do. Jesus didn't give you life so that you could die as early as possible to be with him. So the seven-year-old is better off than the 80-year-old. That's, that's not logical. Jesus gave you a mission like he gave Paul a mission. He gave you a purpose on the earth. And the way that spiritually mature Christians in 2008 walk around is this. I long to be with you. It's better by far. Man, if I could be sitting back, crying out holy, if I could be being with Jesus and seeing like the way that you see rather than how I see now instead of in a fallen world, to be like it was in the garden and, you know, and be with Jesus in paradise, man, that's awesome. And I long and I long and I long to be with you, but carrying out, putting feet on a planet that he's called us to reach and says, but it is more necessary for their faith, for their joy, for their sake. And the way that Christ gave all his life. We every day live with a passion in us that goes, I want to be with you. But I live on earth for them to know you. That they might see you. That they might know you. And so the, the, the idea that so many have, you know, like you, you start to kind of feel this and sometimes you even feel this tension in the furnace. I've felt it before is people begin to talk about, hey, you know, I'm a prayer guy. Another guy goes, no, no, I'm called to missions. Another guy goes, no, no, I'm called, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And another guy goes, no, 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 I'm about the poor. And the other guy goes, man, I wish that you would just stop praying and start doing something with your life. You, you know, you're hyper spiritual. And this guy's going, I wish you really knew God instead of living with a broken heart, you know. And, and there's, a, there's, there's, there's bickering back and forth. And one guy is like, dude, if you really knew God, you'd get on a 747 for three weeks and spend $5,000 to go there and declare the gospel. And the other eyes go, no, 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 no. If you really understood, you would weep with tears and through Revelation 4, through the night, and you would love him like I love him. And there's kind of this, ooh, ooh, ooh. and I'm telling you this. It's, it's, it's void. It's void of spiritual maturity. Because this tearing that's going on inside of Saul, I mean, inside of Paul, is this, because I long to be with you. I long to be with Christ. I want that. I love him. I'm for him. I, I mean, he's the guy in Philippians 3, two chapters later, that goes, but whatever was to my gain, I consider lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. I mean, whatever I did, whatever Gentile world I reached, that, oh, it's, it's rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing him. He's the guy that Ephesians 3 is like, man, how awesome, how high, how wide, how deep, how great is the love of God, and I love him, and he, do you have any idea how he is, but he's also the guy. A few verses earlier goes, I long for you with the affections of Christ. What drove Christ to the cross is starting to take root inside of my heart, and now I'm loving you like with, the, with literally the heart of Jesus. He's the same one. It says in 1 Timothy, he goes, you know what? I mean, 1 Thessalonians, he goes, 
I not only, I loved you so much, not only to come and hang out with you, I shared with you my entire life. I loved you, I dwelt among you. So this mature apostle, probably the most mature apostle that we have an example of. In this little verse, we find this varsity Christian, you know, this pro wrestling stud. He goes, mature Christianity? I'm not, I long to be with you. And it's more necessary for me to stay. And for you to live with that tension is your calling on the earth. It carries itself out in a few ways. One, I long to be with Jesus today. Man, I wish I could just, you know, put on the D-band CD, weep with a, you know, New King James Study Bible and hang out with God all day long. And then there's another side of you that goes, but I need to get up, shower, go to work, go to the soup kitchen, go to the class, be an expression of Christ today. I need to spend the money to go do this and buy these books. I need to read the Bible and love Lewis and Tozer and all that, but I, I want to put my feet on soil where they've rarely heard the gospel. And some of you, your, your mission is going to take you to some place like being a doctor. And some of you, it's going to take you to a place like working at Focus on the Family. Some of you, it's going to take you to a place like going to Indonesia. Some of you, I mean, it's going to take you different places. But that yearning is in your heart. And some of you, you're going to find yourself working in a world prayer center or working in a church or being a homeschool mom. And you've got very little interaction outside but you've got a heart alive. And the longing inside of your heart at the same time is for, I want to fulfill mission. I want the nations. I want my generation. And the immature believer looks at the other one and gets critical and judgmental. We go, God, I want both of these yearnings in my heart. I want both of these longings. I want to yearn for you. I think it's time with Jesus. I think it's longing for his return. That's healthy. I don't necessarily think that it, I don't necessarily think, and I'll go on record saying this, that it means I want to die tomorrow to be with Jesus, like what Paul is. It's different for you. This is an old man talking. This is an old man that suffered and is, if God take me now, <laughs> I'm ready to go. That's different than the 21 year old that's got calling, destiny hasn't lived their life yet. Don't, don't take that and go, oh, if you're 21, I ought to be like, take me now, God. No, 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 no. But you don't love the earth because you love the idols and the pleasures of the planet. And you love, oh, I got a dreamy idea of getting married one day and having seven homeschool children. <laughs> oh, that's an added blessing and God may give you eight. But the reason, the reason 
that you love life on the earth is not the secondary. It is, I'm called on mission for Jesus. And God, if you decide to give me the great wife, woohoo! And God, if you decide to give me, you know, the great job and I work for it and I work, great! But the reason why I'm here, it's more necessary for you that I stay. And I'm called to be a light. I'm called to reach the planet. I'm called to reach whatever circle of influence he's called you to reach. And you long for them. And you love them. And you pray for them. And you're missional with your life. And you're, you live. So it means it, you go back and you forth. And you go back and you forth. And you're in the prayer meeting going, God, give us the nations. And you're praying for them. And wishing that you're at the soup kitchen feeding the poor. And then other times you're down at the soup kitchen feeding the poor and you're going, I wish I could just be with God right now. These people really aren't thankful. And there's other times you're on the mission trip and you are so burnt out and you haven't slept and you feel like all you've done is watch movies over the ocean, walk around, hang out, eat some foreign meals, prayer walk a couple streets and go watch movies back over the ocean. And there's other times that you go over the ocean and you see people get saved. You see God do stuff. And that's just our lives. It's not pretty. It's not like everything works out. You got good days and bad days. And sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. But if both of these yearnings continue to burn in your heart, then you're a healthy, mature Christian. And you're playing varsity with the big boys. That's where we want to be. We want to be like Paul. Man, I'm torn. I'm just, I just love God, but I just love God people but oh wait a minute this tearing in my heart this sounds a lot like the great commission that jesus gave the great commandment love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and love people with all your heart so you know what it is that it's an issue of order because you get this i long for you i love you with all my heart and in time, man, this one starts to burn inside of you. And I love the people you've called me to reach. And my mission might be my family. And my mission might be, you know, the Briargate shops. Or my mission might be Pakistan. Or my mission might be my university. But if you'll get that, you'll get it in the right order. These longings will burn. Song of Solomon 1 4 says, Draw me and let us run. Get the draw me. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to draw near. And then I'm sustained to run a long time. Many of my friends in ministry schools, you can see this. This is visible. You know, this is like tangible. Ministry is tangible. You know, did you go through the furnace? Did you flunk? Did you get kicked out or not? Yeah, I got kicked out. Why? I, you know, kissed someone. Like, you lame -o, you know, you didn't, you know, it's measurable, right? Did you finish school? Did you, did you, how many people come to your prayer meeting? Did you, how many people have you saved? How many, you know, uh, just there's measurable stuff in this world. It's, it's measurable. So a lot of times, a lot of us will spend a lot of our time here, you know, like, oh, I want to be missional. I'm going to make straight A's. I'm going to be a doctor. And so like, I may give up on the quiet time a little bit because, you know, people can, see how I'm doing here. So we can kind of, kind of fake it there. Here's what happens. You fake it there for a long time, you'll burn out here. You become ticked off at God. Come on, God. 
man, I thought you called me to do this, but life stinks right now. Because I called you first to know me. If you're gonna swing the pendulum, stay here until you're ready to go there. Stay here. Draw me. I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to love you. I've, and, and out of that, inevitably comes mission. I've, wa- I've, I've been doing this for seven and a half years. I've watched so many kids come in. And once they lock in with the love God stuff, for a while, they're just like, I just don't understand why we gotta go do all this other stuff. Gotta go, 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 go. I just wanna pray. Leave them in that prayer furnace for a couple years. And all of a sudden they're talking about missionary work, education, church planning. They're talking about expanding and that's healthy. And that's what we want. That's what we want for you. That's why we have things the way that we have. We have a heavy percentage on drama. Time of Jesus every day. First hour of the prayer meeting is you, we just want you alone with God. I know some of you text, you know, spin it texting and you know, flirting, I know that. But hopefully you throw a year at those prayer meetings, time with Jesus every day. They're starting to have that grow. I love you, I want you. Then that second hour of intercession, you start to put those prayers for people in place. God, I'm praying for Colorado Springs. I don't even know Colorado Springs. I just moved here from Illinois just because I like the mountains. Now I'm praying, spent a year praying for Colorado Springs. I, I care about Colorado Springs. I mean, I spent a year praying for, you know, the teenagers, man, I was just one like last year. Now I care about teenagers, why? Because God begins to give you his heart for that when you start to pray. That's why moms, Christian moms always love their bratty kids. They see something in them that you don't see. You haven't prayed for them. (laughs) You look at them and you see a snot-nosed brat and they're like, that's the next Billy Graham. (laughs) You're like, no, it ain't. (laughs) So we, you and I, we have that in place. First hour, time with God. Second hour, we're gonna pray. We're gonna long. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1.8. Long for you with the affections of Christ. And it's not, but a few verses later, verse 20 through 25, where he's going, and I long to be with you, but it's better that I stay. And then third tier, you start praying for it, you start putting feet to it. Man, dude, let's, accountability group, let's, let's go do something for the kingdom, man. What do you wanna do? I don't know, let's go, let's go do a siege. I don't know, you know, I don't know. Let's go to the, the soup kitchen. I don't know, let's go, what? I don't know. Dude, what are you called to? I don't know, dude. What are you called to? I don't know. I just, I just, I just joined you. I'm looking for a wife, man. Dude, what, what's Jesus saying to you? Well, dude, I don't know. It's just so weird. I, just, I know this is crazy, but I've never led anyone to Jesus in my life. You haven't? No. Have you? Well, I mean, my sister, but she was four, you know. Like, I don't know if it counts. Let's go, lead, let's, go, let's go witness. Dude, that's freaky, man. Seriously? Like, yeah, let's go for it. All right. Let's go for it. Or... Let's go on tour, man. Let's go pray for kids that are demonized and addicted to lust. Let's go pray and get them set free. Let's go jump on a bus and go, and go give away some of the things that God's put in us because we long for Christ and all of a sudden, I don't know why, but man, we've been spending all this time praying for God to move in teenagers. Man, I wanna go reach teenagers, dude. Here's what I'm gonna pray for tonight. I, I think that most of us hear this. And for some of you, when you hear this tonight, 
man, it is so, it seems so mature because when you look at the tearing that's inside of you, it's the only tearing that you can do that you can say really is I'm torn between my way or God's way. That's the tearing. Should I do the right thing or the wrong thing? You know, should I live for Jesus or should I live for me? Selfish versus selfless. That's mostly what, that's mostly where many of us are often at. But tonight I want to try to take it up a, a, a step. I want to go varsity. I want to go heavyweight. I want to look at, I want to look at Paul. And Paul goes, man, you know where I'm at is I long to be with Jesus, but I I long to stay and reach people. I would tell you this. I believe that God has spiritually anointed Dan and Amy and given them this prophetic desire that they began to preach to me that that is starting to take root. And that is that we're going to begin with greater degrees of passion to go into all of the world. And when I say all of the world, I mean to go in and reach hurting people in our city. You guys, accountability groups, getting ideas and going down, doing stuff for people, hurting. I long, I long, I long for people. That's what we want. So here's what I'm gonna pray for. I wanna pray for those of you that tonight you go, I want that tearing in my heart. Right now, it seems so grandiose, it's hard to even connect with. That's okay, that's why we preach the Bible, because we need it. I read this tonight and I go, man, I want that. I want that. I want to be torn. I want to be torn. If that's you tonight, you want to pray for you, I'd, just, I'd like to invite you. Come on down here. Let me pray for you. This is symbolic. And so some of you may think it's weird, but we're charismatics. We are weird. So um, if you don't know what that is, ask your accountability group leader. If they don't know what it is, have them ask Dan or Amy. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on your heart like this. With both hands, I want you to do this. And I just want it to be a physical expression of asking God to tear our hearts for, for his tearing. God, I want to be torn. I want to long for Jesus. I want to long to be with him. And I want to long for the people that he came to save. They died on a cross to save. Holy Spirit, we come to you tonight. A bunch of people committed to being disciples in the 21st century. We live in a consumerism age, in a materialism age. We live in an age where our age group is marketed to love everything but you. We go against the cultural flow tonight and we look to you and we say, we want to love you with everything, God. We want a holy tearing within us. I want to be torn with spiritual desire for Jesus. I want to be torn. I want to love God, but I want to love those he's called me to reach. I want to live with that ache for both. I want to love like he loves. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.